I'm Derek Thompson, the host of the podcast, Plain English. We tackle technology, politics, culture, history, everything that's happening in the world and why it matters. New episodes of Plain English drop every Tuesday and Friday on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's New York, New York, presented by FanDuel. The MLB season is in full swing, and you can step up to the plate with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub, filtered by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, bet the live same-game parlays for every MLB game and track your game and bets live with box scores and play-by-play. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 100 Gambler or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Let's roll, baby. Welcome in. Thursday edition of New York, New York with yours truly, JJ Johnson-Strevsky. We're right here on the Ringer Podcast Network, and I'm at a loss. You know, I'm not going to go all Stephen A on you, because honestly, we've been there. We've done that when it comes to the 2021-2022 Knicks. This idea that you're surprised that they yucked up a 27-28 point lead, I'm not. Said it yesterday when we did a Spotify Green Room. What is the surprise? This team has been doing this all year. They've given you terrible third quarters. They've allowed teams to stun them late. And in three of the last seven games, they yucked up 20-point leads. This is not a shock. Come on now. This season is lost at sea. It's been lost at sea for the last two to three weeks, if we are being serious. This stretch of games, though, and the way the Knicks have lost these particular games has beaten the fan base down that much more. And it's even more humiliating and it's even more embarrassing when Cam Thomas looks like freaking Tracy McGrady against the Knicks. Nefin, old Giddy, Durant chirping on Twitter. Good for him, the Clays. Good for him. Good for him. Good for the Nefin. Listen, I'm not even going to poke fun at the Nefin today. I'll do that in the postseason when they get eliminated. Today is not the time. Today is not the place. The Knickerbockers, my team, the one that I root for, is just an absolute mess. So when you have a mess on your hands, people look for somebody to blame. And I've seen it now on social media. Talking to a bunch of Nick fans that I know, they have their fall guy. They have their scapegoat. It's Tom Thibodeau's fault. Because Thibodeau's rotation stink. He doesn't play young players. There's a narrative out there that he doesn't develop young players the way they should be developed. He's too reliant on the vets. Some of these criticisms are fair. Some of these criticisms are unfair. 
Thibodeau has not had a good year. By no means, folks. By no means am I giving Tibbs a free pass for what has happened this year. But I don't think he got dumb overnight. Last year, the guy was the toast of the town. He was the NBA coach of the year. He could do no wrong. So when I look at why the Knicks went from where they were at last year to where they're at this year, it's about the front office. The front office, folks, is far more responsible for what has taken place this year. Far more responsible than the head coach. At least the head coach, after every single one of these games, even if he doesn't tell you what you want to hear, he's facing the music. He's at least taking some of the blame. Where's Leon Roche? Honest question. Does anybody know? Is he in Florida? Is he in California? Is he uh, somewhere in Greenwich, Connecticut? Where is Leon Rose? As boring as Brian Cashman and Sandy Alderson could be, they speak. Where's Rose? I, I, I don't hear from the guy. Every move he made in the offseason, every single move has blown up in the Knicks' face. You can't find me one move from Randall extension to that hideous Evan Fournier contract to the roll of the dice to Kemba Walker, which has come up snake eyes. Burke's giving him three years. Even my dude, Derrick Rose. Derrick Rose has missed all this time. Three-year contract for him ain't looking too high. Every single move that Leon Rose has made has gone down the toilet. So before you start blaming Tom Thibodeau for all the issues surrounding the New York Knickerbockers, Let's take a look at the roster. Combine that with the Eastern Conference getting a lot better and combine that with a lot of teams last year dealing with bubble fatigue. That's kind of why the Knicks are where they're at. They've just taken a monumental step back. And before you tell me, fire Tibbs, that's going to solve all the problems. Great, fire Tibbs. Go right ahead. Why does Leon Rose and company get to name another head coach? Why? What have they earned that Tom Thibodeau has not? Am I missing something here or not? I don't think so. So you want to fire Tibbs? Then get rid of the guys running the team, too. I, for one, am sticking with them for another year. Now, I'm not saying that's going to work out, and I'm not saying that's going to be the end result that you desire. Organization that's had no continuity, that has been this joke around the NBA, you don't fire a head coach after he was a coach of the year candidate a year ago. I'm sorry, you just don't do that. Because it makes you look like a joke. And then you just... Go through this like revolving door. Oh, what can it? Kenny Atkinson now is Red Auerbach or Pat Riley? Give me a freaking break, please. And I'm not trying to disparage Kenny. I like him, but uh, according to Nick fans, you think Kenny Atkinson be here? They'd be a 50 win team. Blows my mind. The front office is the bigger problem with the Knickerbockers than the head coach. Let, let's establish that. The front office is the bigger issue. Good. Front office. You got all these agency connections. You're so well-renowned, highly respected throughout NBA circles. Go get a damn star. Okay? That's what I was promised. Oh, Leon Rose, World Wide West. They, they, they know everybody in the NBA. All right, let's, let's get a star. Because that's the way the NBA works. You got to have those guys. Yeah, Mancy. Yeah, I'm impatient. Yeah, next year is going to be a monumental year for the Knicks. 
but putting this all at the footsteps of Tom Thibodeau is ridiculously unfair. And he's had a bad year. He's had a bad year. But to say it's all his fault, it's just, it's, it's not looking at the situation in a fair and honest and reasonable way. Okay. The Knicks drive you to Drake. I want to announce this for the next couple of weeks because baseball is nowhere close. They met for 15 minutes today. That's like me going to get alternate side parking, getting a Starbucks, coming back, and moving my car. 15 minutes? Seriously? Forget about opening down April 1st. Here's what we are going to do scheduling-wise for yours truly. I'm not taking time off, but we're going to kind of have our New York pod Sunday and Thursday. We're not going to do the Tuesday show. We'll still do trivia on one of those two days. I don't know which one yet. I'm going to work that out. We're going to do two New York shows a week. I am going to be doing a lot more stuff on the gambling feed until baseball season starts. It's not permanent until baseball season starts. Because you know I love the college basketball. I'm going to be in the NBA betting in the futures. So Sunday, Thursday, that's our New York schedule. Tuesday, Friday is going to be our Ringer gambling schedule. And I'm going to be doing a ton of Ringer gambling stuff for the NCAA tournament, like daily picks, all sorts of crazy content. And I have some really good ideas lined up for the next few weeks. The hamster wheel has been a spinning, as they say. And I was inspired with this idea because at Radio Row, we had Victor Cruz on and we had Nick Mangold on, who's going to be on on Sunday. And both guys were part of arguably the biggest win that either franchise has had since 2010. Like there are, there are a lot of historical lists that are out there, like going through stuff. And I'm not going to go back to like 96 or 04 or 86. I'm not even going to do that. I'm going to say from 2010 on, which is the year, might I add, I graduated from Syracuse. So that's maybe the arbitrary number that I'm looking for. My adult life, post-college life, 2010 on, we are going to have a top 10 worst New York sports losses Sunday. Then on Thursday, we're going to do the best wins. Wins from 2010 on. So I want you guys to think about that. Let it marinate maybe over a couple of cocktails this weekend. Worst losses since 2010. So don't tell me the Yankees collapsing the Red Sox. Does not fit. Don't tell me the Mets beating the Red Sox. 86. Does not count. From 2010 on, top 10 wins, best wins, top 10 losses. My list, I jotted them down. Haven't ranked them yet. I'm going to do so over a cocktail probably over the weekend. But we are going to do that on Sunday, and we are going to do the wins on Thursday. So voicemails, get them in over the weekend. Get them in tomorrow. Get them in Saturday. Think about this. Then you'll hear the rankings, and then we can kind of have some fun with this and kind of see where it goes. I like the 2010 idea, though, because, you know what? 12 years is a long time. And I think it's going to be a lot easier from a wins perspective than a loss perspective because there have been a lot of brutal losses. There have not been a whole lot of great wins. But I'm looking forward to this. Sunday, Thursday, and then Tuesday, Friday, gambling stuff, which we'll do all the college basketball, do NBA, all that stuff. So you're not getting less of me. If anything, you're getting more of me. It's just going to be a little creative until baseball season starts. When baseball season starts, we get back to our normal schedule. 
And oh, might I might add one more thing. If something happens, guys, you know the deal. We'll have the green room fired up and we'll do a green room. We'll post it as a pod. That's that's not going to change. But at our, our weekly schedule, Sunday, Thursday, New York, New York, Tuesday, Friday, JJ with friends on Ringer Gambling. Got it? Comprende? Muy bien. All right, coming up, loaded show. Chris Ryan, who I love. We had, we had a moment in Los Angeles. He's a big Simmons guy, not really. Big Sixer guy, big NBA guy. I figured we'd welcome him in. The great Tim O'Toole, who is a longtime friend of mine. How about their win over the North Carolina Tar Heels yesterday? Pitt with a three-game winning streak in the ACC. And with some Coach K stuff coming out, I, I always like to pick Coach's brand on this. He's going to join us. Voicemail's coming up. All right, Chris Ryan of Ringer NBA fame, though, right out of the gate, right after this. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on Cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. All right, I'm super stoked to welcome in our next guest because we met for the first time out in L.A., and I thought it was perfect timing. The Knicks are a total dumpster fire, and the Nets acquired one of his favorite sons, Ben Simmons. Let's welcome in Chris Ryan, the ringer man of many talents. What's happening, Chris? How you doing, buddy? John, thank you so much for having me in enemy territory today. Yeah, I guess we want to call it enemy territory. Like, like right now, I, I don't have the beef with your teams that maybe some of the other New York fans do because I'm a Yankee fan, so I got no beef with the Phillies. I am a Dolphin fan, so the Eagles to me are non-existent. Like, they are what they are. Basically, the Dolphins and the Eagles end up being trade partners all the time. That's right. And All right, so the Sixers, but when is the last time the Knicks and the Sixers played this, like, heated just like disgusting, like down in the muck type of playoff series. Like when I think of Nick Rivals, I think of the Heat. I think of the yeah. Bulls. I think of the Pacers. Like maybe you feel this way because it's New York. I don't feel the hate, bro, with Philly. I really don't. We keep missing each other because I feel like the last time the Knicks were, before this Tibbs administration, the last time the Knicks were really good, the Sixers were going through the process. You know, so it's like every time, I feel like the Sixers and the Knicks miss each other on their cycles over the years. And so one team is bad while the other team is ascendant. Yeah, and we need that. Listen, I want to actually hate you. I think it'd be a lot more fun if oh, I could yeah. talk all sorts of smack to our friends who are right down I-95. Listen, I know you do the NBA stuff for the ringer. What the hell has happened to my basketball team? Now, look, they overachieved last year. They clearly were not a four seed. Like, I never looked at them as like a legitimate four seed. Weird year coming out of the bubble. Everybody kind of gets that one-year bump with Tom Thibodeau. But, Chris, from what it was last year to what it is this year, I mean, dude, it's the middle of February. My season is over. My season is cooked. Let's give it, let's do this one caveat, which is half the league seems to be already on vacation. It's like senioritis is sweeping the NBA right now. So I do think that there's a little bit to let's just get to the all-star break. I just watched the Sixers lose by nearly 50 to the Celtics the other night. Like, it's like, I think everybody has kind of got their head on the pillow already. That being said, you can't ignore what's going on in New York and you can't ignore what's going on with this team. 
who, what, they blew a 20-point lead to the Blazers the other night. They've done it in three of the last seven games. Yeah. Think about that for a minute. Three of the last seven games. And you lose to a Nets team that's essentially James Johnson, Andre Drummond, Seth Curry, and, you know, the ghosts of NBA players pass out there with no disrespect to the guys out there. It's just like the Knicks should be able to beat the Nets in the garden with the Nets are essentially just limping to the All-Star break, hoping to get guys back. And you have to start wondering whether or not the players are taking it into their own hands and, and not necessarily quitting on Tibbs full scale, but like, it really doesn't look good. Okay. Everyone wants to kill Tibbs. He's had a terrible year. I'll be the first to tell you that. His rotations have made no sense. The idea that he's not playing younger players bothers me to no end. But Chris, the talent on this team, is this like some sort of great team that he all of a sudden is running into the ground? Like, that's my issue. Like, I keep looking at the offseason and the summer and Leon Rose being MIA and the fact that every move he made in the offseason blew up in his face. The Randall extension's a disaster. The Fournier contract's a disaster. Simmons was laughing at me when the Knicks signed Kemba Walker. And listen, that wasn't like some, like, disgraceful, awful, you know, gross contract because, you know, it was a roll of the dice. It was a flyer. But every move they made in the offseason didn't work out. And I'm killing the coach. Like, to me, if you're looking at the problems with the New York Knicks, I think it starts with this front office. So do you think that those moves were essentially driven, though, by giving Tibbs the kind of players he wants? Now, Evan Fournier is See, not Fournier, necessarily... no. See, that's yeah. what I'm saying. Fournier and Walker are not exactly Tibbs guys. They don't but play they're defense. veterans. They're veterans. I and guess. Tibbs, I, well, you I want think guys Tibbs, who play D with Tibbs. That's usually the thing, no? I don't know what Tibbs wants because he's still out there. I mean, like, he's running Taj Gibson out there like he's like Joachim Noah in 2011. I don't really know what we're talking about. Like... The, the the Knicks have like this interesting young nucleus of talent that I think probably gains value by being hidden from the light. Like, I don't really know what OB and Quickly can really do if they had a sustained run of time. But like, they're almost like more attractive because Tibbs keeps them on the bench so much. You know, it's like they kind of gain almost a mystique around them. The problem was, I was just saying this to, to, to Stefan and Steve before we got on, like, I almost feel like this collapse is happening a couple of weeks too late because if it looked this bad maybe a month ago, and it wasn't like it was looking great a month ago, but if it looked this bad a month ago, you could actually have turned yourself into sellers. I, I wish think- they did. Chris, I was calling for it on the podcast. Now, yeah. easier said than done because good luck trying to trade Evan Fournier. Good luck trying to trade Julius Randle. It looked like there was only one place you could move him, which was Sacramento for De'Aaron Fox. But yeah, I was saying that a couple of weeks ago. This team wasn't a legitimate contender. Nonsense. Yeah, and so it did, it, you know, there was that feeling going around the league, especially this year, I feel like the it, it had a little bit more of a baseball buyers and sellers vibe to the trade market. Like there was just like a bunch of teams, Portland, you know, whoever, who were like, look, we're going to get off the big contracts. We're going to play kids for the rest of the year. So we're open for business. And the Knicks didn't do that. The Knicks like kind of held on to their team and maybe... Maybe they just think Rose coming back like fixes a lot of these problems. And they're still, if I had to bet, like they're still like within a touching distance of the Hawks for that 10th spot. Like, do you care whether or not they make it into this play? Doesn't bother me. If anything, I think the best thing for them would be to end up in the lottery and maybe get lucky in the lottery. Right. I think that'd be better for the franchise. Cause listen, at this point, what good does it do getting in that plan? You're going to get in, you're going to get smoked by whoever you play anyway. 
I, I'm not going to be jumping for joy if the Knicks make the postseason at this point. Well, we we, we would. I would love to see a a, a Knicks Trey Young rematch, though. <laughs> Especially I mean, listen, one form, game playoff, get, it would well, be great content. Get, and it gets and it gets torched. That's yeah. that's what would happen. They'd get torched by Trey Young. He'd score forty points on them. So, how much does it sting, or do you care about? It's Brooklyn in the garden. KD tweets after the game. It was really loud in the bark last night. Oh, I mean the garden, like a little bit of crosstown trash talk. Like, what's the state of the Nets-Knicks rivalry right now? Honestly, it was very dismissive for me. Like I said it yesterday, we did a live green room. We had a couple of Nets fans chime in. I'm like, good for you guys. You know what? I make fun of you guys a lot. I make fun of the fact that you have no fans. For the most part, they do have no fans. Let's call it what it is. You're never going to like, capture the buzz and the feel of New York the way the Knicks do. They have a moment and the Knicks are a joke and they're all sorts of inept. I'm not I'm not gonna throw cold water at that. You wanna you wanna celebrate? You wanna pound your chest? Chris, the way I see it, be my guest. Yeah, you also guest. I mean like look you you guys came back from what? Was it 20, 28 down? Like to twenty eight down with no Durant, with no Kyrie and no Simmons. Yes. And so found the way to win a game. Yeah. James Johnson, Cam Thomas, Andre Drummond and Seth Curry. And like I, I don't know. I mean, that that is that's a real long look in the mirror for the Knicks. Like, I don't really know what they do from here. So the thing with all these coaching changes that I've been asking myself over the last like 15 months or so, whenever something like this happens with an NBA team is I don't really know who the next guy who's who's the hot coach out there that you would go get. Well, the name you know everybody's I mean? going to throw out is Kenny Atkinson because he was mm-hmm. here in New Jersey. Or well, let me, uh, Kenny notice, Atkinson notice is not coming until the offseason. New Jersey. Notice that? I I had to correct myself (laughs) as I sit here in Brooklyn. Um, He was with the Nets. He's a New York guy. People like him. There's a reputation that he's good with younger players. Chris, I'll take it a step further. I'm not firing Tibbs unless I'm cleaning house. I'm cleaning house. What is the point of Leon Rose in this front office getting the opportunity to name a new head coach? Why why do they deserve that opportunity? If they're going to go and fire Tibbs, get rid of everybody as far as I'm concerned. Everybody. And And the promise was, with Leon Rose, World Wide West, and all, all these, the connections. All these yeah. connections. Oh, they were going to get the next star. They were going to be in on big players. Well, here we are. I'm still waiting. You know, like, go and get me a big star and then come talk to me. And then, like, the idea of blaming everything on this head coach, I think it's so easy. It's such an easy out. It's an easy scapegoat. It bothers me, quite frankly. Because, listen, he hasn't been great. But don't let the front office fool you and think that they've done some sort of bang-up job because they have not. Yeah, you can't really. I, I mean, personally, I don't think you can fire a coach of the year the next season if he has a, a regression season. Yeah, I mean, season. that's so next. If they do that, it's so next. It's so next. Right. I, I just don't think he has the personnel to run his stuff this season. And I think that he's somebody who's just really, really uh, set in his ways. And you can just see even like some of the defensive schemes with the lack of athleticism kind of in the front court. Like they're unable to, like they were just getting carved up last night on some really basic stuff. By a team like the Nets, probably barely know the playbook. I mean, like half the guys out there were new faces, rookies, whoever. Like, the Nets were like beating them with some pretty basic backdoor cut stuff last night. And obviously, they got hot from behind the arc, which is the story of the NBA now. I want to get to you on Simmons because you know him better than anybody. And look, the Nets fan is probably wondering what are they getting themselves into when the trade went down. I'm at Radio Row last week. And, you know, I kind of figured they'd try and trade Harden. You wondered if, you know, financially speaking, they'd be able to pull it off. With Simmons being on the idea, it, it happens. My initial reaction is, wow, Brooklyn did really well here. Considering well. they had a guy who wanted no part in playing for the Nets, no part of dealing with Kyrie Irving, 
You go and get Curry who can shoot it. You get a big, a serviceable one in Drummond. And then you get Simmons. And look, I know we couldn't hit a layup. I know we couldn't hit a free throw. I know the Sixer fan couldn't stand him at the end. I think he's going to the perfect spot because of what we hit on with the Nets. He is not going to be front and center like he would be with the Knicks. Not every layup, not every shot is going to be like scrutinized. He's playing with Durant eventually. He's going to be playing with Kyrie. I think it's the perfect landing spot for Ben Simmons. Do you agree? Yeah, and I also don't think he was as bad with what we saw in that Atlanta Hawks series, series, which is what people's like sort of, you know, it's the most recent impression that makes the lasting impression. It's That's not who he really is. Like, he certainly isn't Reggie Miller, but like, he was a, he, he has been a 70% free throw shooter in his career. Like, he's capable of doing it. I wouldn't expect him necessarily to start drilling corner threes anytime soon, but he's not going to have to. Like, he's going to take some of the ball when Kyrie's not in the game. He's going to play defense at the point of attack where, like, they haven't had anybody to do that in, I don't know, honestly, since they blew that team up to get Durant and Irving in the first place and get hardened, and they haven't had any kind of perimeter def- defense to speak of. He's going to be able to guard the opposing player's best player. He'll get his dunks. He'll get them out in transition. He's a playmaker. And I think that Durant and Irving are going to be the first two people who get called on to go talk in front of the media anyway. They're not going to have to, like, he's not going to have to be the co-face of this team. He can just, like, kind of settle into his game. Now, when he comes back and what he's going to look like when he does, I, I honestly have no idea. You would know just as well as I would. He vanished. He didn't speak. He's posted some Instagram videos of him working out, but... You know, this is, he understands like his career is on the line here. You know what I mean? If he blows it here, it's, it's Orlando magic time. You're not wrong about that. And the concern I'd have is that these guys have absolutely no chemistry with one another. You know, Drummond, Curry playing together with the Sixers. Simmons, I don't count him as a part of the Sixers this year because he didn't suit up and he wasn't a part of the team. Yeah, he practiced twice. Didn't even show up. Yeah, he showed up twice. All right, let's make sure we get it right. He showed up twice. And then you have Kyrie who's not playing home games because of the back stuff. And you have Durant, who's missed half the year. On paper, the team seems awesome. If Durant comes back and is Durant, he's the best player in the NBA. So obviously, you're going to have a fighting chance. But I'd like to have some sort of cohesion. I'd like to have some sort of flow with my team. And Chris, let's be honest. They're not going to have much between now and whenever the postseason comes along. No, I not. There was some, I can't remember what the number is, but there's something like Kyrie's only going to play 13 of the last 29 or something like that because of between road games and games in Canada or games at the Garden. Like Kyrie's only going to play like 13 of the last 29 games. I could be wrong about that, but it's something like that. And then Durant's going to be out until after the All-Star break. Zach Lowe was talking on his podcast about how the rumor is is that Simmons is going to time his return for Durant's return. So the Nets are probably, with this Knicks game aside, going to be in the play-in hunt Isn't when those guys come Isn't that crazy that they're going to be in the play-in and it's still going to be like number two or number three on the odds to go oh, on the yeah. title? They yeah. might even be number one. I don't have them in front of me right now. They, for a long time, Chris, they were hovering as the top team and they're like fifth to sixth in the Eastern Conference. It's crazy. I, I was like, if it's the three of these guys, it's a foregone conclusion that they win the title. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was like, it's not, it doesn't even, it's just math. It's just like, you can't double each of these guys. So that's it. You, one of Harden, Durant, or Irving is probably going to have an open look, in which case you're dead. So I, if they had stayed healthy, what, they were 13-3 and three in the 16 games they played. In the brief moments like in, in that Boston series, they looked like basically the Warriors 2.0. It was unbelievable watching them. And so they couldn't keep it together. But like, 
I think that it's one of the most fascinating storylines is going to see the Nets have to claw their way into the playoffs from that like position while also learning whether or not Simmons is is truly back or not. I mean, he's like an amazing, amazing athlete. So if there's anybody who could take seven months off and like get themselves back into shape, this is not going to be like a Draymond Green, James Harden situation where Simmons is going to have to like get his win. Like he'll look pretty good athletically. It's just him fitting into this system. So basically what you're telling me is that you would give the stamp of approval to Ben Simmons coming to Brooklyn. I don't think you would have given me that same stamp of approval for Ben Simmons coming to the Knicks because of all of the hoopla and all of the media scrutiny that would come with it. Nets, it seems like you're on board with this move. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I could I, I don't I don't think that Simmons on the Knicks, like that's that's a maybe even I mean the Sixers fan base is very specific and unique. The Knicks fan base is so intense, you know, and it's so... He it's couldn't such, handle it, Chris. So much scrutiny. No and shot. He, and he would automatically be the biggest player on that team, you know, I mean, with the exception of Randall. But Simmons, I think, is at this point, is probably a bigger name than Randall. And, yeah, I don't know him in a, in a Tibbs offense or whatever, you know, like, I just think it would have been, like, really, really the wrong move for him. Are you giddy about Horton? I don't know what I am. So I, I mean, like this has this ever happened to you where your team is traded for a guy that you actively disliked? Yeah, Roger Clemens. Okay. When the Yankees traded for Roger Clemens, I hated it. I was a little kid. I loved David Wells. He was the man, and Clemens was the guy who was the headhunter. He comes from Boston. He goes to Toronto. And I'll be honest with you, Chris. It took me about a year and a half, even after Clemens won his first World Series with the Yankees, before I truly embraced him. It was the whole Piazza stuff because you know yeah. that was the. That was the peak of Yankees Mets. And listen, Clemens was in the wrong, but he was your guy. That was the thing. Like at that point, he's taking on Piazza, he's taking on the Mets. And I'm like, all right, this guy's now a Yankee. He's doing it for my team. I, I can live with this. But the first year, I thought he just rode the coattails of a team that was an all time team. So yeah, I couldn't stand Clemens. And Horton, listen, quit on Brooklyn, got fat, basically at every double cheeseburger down in Houston, quit on the Rockets. So I don't know how it's going to end with your team, but. He loves the GM. You needed a dynamic player alongside Embiid. And basically, the way I look at it from your standpoint, you got like a two or three year window to try to get this done. Yeah. That's it. It's not even like a rivalry thing with this. It's really more of an aesthetic thing. Like his style of play, his kind of like, you know, the foul hunting, the slowness, the ISO, the dribble, like the pounding the rock stuff has just never been my thing. I mean, like, I. I love I, Iverson's my favorite player ever, and he certainly did a lot of ISO ball pounding. But he was just so much more of a dynamic player to me than Harden is. Harden to me is like what like a a lot of what he does is what I don't like about modern basketball in some ways. So it's weird to like have to like almost adjust my taste now that he's like going to be playing for the team that I like. So, but I've already started to talk myself into it. You know, I've already started to be like, man, you know, and he's just like when he's doing because they they did um somebody had a clip package of all the times he comes and takes off the dribble uh, three-pointers, bringing the ball up, and basically the defense hasn't set up yet. He just dribbles to the top of the key or right to the right or left and just swishes a three, and I was like, oh yeah, the Sixers haven't had a guy like this in like 13 years. <laughs> you know? It's been a while. And yeah. then you put him winning bead on top of that. Yeah. It's like, alright, we got a dynamic duo, because it, it feels like now the NBA, it's shifted away from like that three-man model, and I feel like it's back to the big teams out there, whether it's Paul and Booker, uh, Durant and Irving. Now, your team went and beat in Harden. Uh, it was LeBron and AD when they won a couple of years ago. Like, I feel like the NBA now has shifted to like that two-man dynamic duo to go and try and win a title. So and isn't that hope. so much better for the league? 
Oh, it's so much better because I hated, I hated the suit. Listen, the super teams suck. I don't care about ratings. I don't care about buzz. The idea that you have a bunch of different two-man teams that you can talk yourself into, it's better for the NBA playoffs. Now, the NBA's got a problem, Chris, in the regular season because too many guys are taking time off. I mean, it is. It's, it's a tough. Some of these games are a tough sell in the regular season. Like, I was talking about this to somebody the other day. I'm like, look, I love college basketball. I know the product is not the level of the NBA. But right. I know in March, these 20, 21-year-old kids are going to be busting their butt. They're scratching and clawing on the floor to try to make an NCAA tournament. NBA, I mean, with the amount of playoff teams, with the way the league is set up, you know this. Guys are taking nights off night in and night out, man. So I, I don't know how you fix that. It's it, it, Because the playoffs are great. It will be a ton of fun in April and May. But, like, am I going to get – maybe it's because my team sucks. That might have something to do with this. But, I like, think- am I – Am That's I like get, baseball, like, right? Up? See, baseball is somebody. Somebody said this to me. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, I'm not gonna get juiced up for Otani taking on Nolan Arenado. I'm sorry, I'm not. Like, if the Yankees are not good, it diminishes my interest. Where the Dolphins could be three and fourteen, and NFL Sundays, I'm like, I'm riveted. It's like you know, I'm drooling for action. That's a problem, I think, for baseball, basketball, and hockey. All three of the seasons, they're too long, in my opinion. They're yeah, I mean, well, I think the second half of this NBA season is going to be a really interesting case study of whether or not they need to make some pretty fundamental changes to the NBA regular season. So if the second half of this season has teams like Brooklyn and the Lakers in a play-in hunt slash fending off teams coming after them. Lakers have a really tough schedule coming up. So they're going to have to, like, they're going to have to figure something out and if you've got basically every single night the Lakers are fighting for their life, every single night the Nets are fighting for their life, you've got, you know, I, I can't. This Eastern Conference playoffs is going to be absolutely stunning. It's going to be like a blood sport. Oh, it's a like, war. A lot of these six teams, teams Miami, win the, Chicago, yeah. Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Philly. Philly. Yeah, exactly. I'm and not ready to buy the Celtics yet, by the way. Also, I know like, Simmons is, but I'm not. Let's, but let's you know what? Like, there. I wouldn't really want to see Cleveland in the playoffs. No, you know they're funky. I mean? They play hard. They so there's there's six teams in the in the East that I think are going to give each other a lot of problems, and then so if that winds up being three four nights a week, you're watching a full NBA doubleheader or something like that. Then the then they've sort of proved the concept. But if we go through a, a second half of the season with maybe some bad injuries or just a kind of malaise over the league and over like the way that this feels, how the trade deadline stuff has kind of superseded the actual basketball, you know, because like in football, it's like. The Aaron Rodgers stuff could have taken over the entire season. And somehow it just kind of like melted away. You know what I mean? It really was about the football every week. It wasn't about like, will he or won't he and trade deadline stuff and any any sort of off-field questions like that. And I think basketball's got a little bit of a problem where people are more interested in doing trade talk than they are in watching games. Chris Ryan, a man of many talents. Um, What are we, scratch handicap now? Uh, Any hole-in-ones coming up? (laughs) (laughs) Can I just say no comment about that? You Definitely not. I, I, it might be the first in the history of New York, New York. You complete the fifth. I'll, <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Thanks so much for having me, man. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Technique with Tom. Slicing an English muffin with a butter blade? Boulder Dash. Just pull apart with your hands and marvel in the nooks and crannies splendor. For each one is unique like a snowflake. Thomas's. Huzzah. A toast to breakfast. So we go from Chris Ryan to one of my favorite people to bring in during college basketball season. He is stoked. His program probably had their win of the year, not just beating the North Carolina Tar Heels, smoking. 
the North Carolina Tar Heels. Pitt basketball moving in the right direction, we hope. The associate head coach is our dude, the great Timmy O'Toole. Coach, congratulations. How you doing, man? Hey, thank you, pal. Great to see you, and I appreciate it. Coach, Fired up, bro. Beat North Carolina like that. My goodness. Was that a culmination of what you've seen over the last couple of weeks or perfect game, perfect script for your team? Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think, JJ, um, you know, first of all, being in this league, and I was in this league from 95 to 97, I coached at Duke, you realize how hard it is to win in the Smith Center, period. I don't care who you are. It doesn't happen often. I think they were 9-1 and one going into last night's game at home, and their only loss was to Duke uh, about two weeks ago. Now, one of the things, and I don't know if you watch this man in the arena with, with Tom Brady, but I think really, um, you know, going back to that whole notion of like, you know, it's not the critic who counts, it's the person who's actually in the arena, whose face is marred in the dust and the blood and everything else. And I do think that's been the story of our season. And I do think one of the things, when you become good in the ACC and in this league, you got to go through getting your teeth kicked in and having some of these good wins. And that's kind of what's happened to us. That being said, I do think we found ourselves in situations this year. Again, we've been here four years that we've never been in. And what I mean by that is this. We go to Louisville this year, and we're up in the last two minutes of that game. We're at Virginia, and we're up four with 11 seconds. And we've gone to that building and have been you know, relatively annihilated. And we're finding ourselves close, JJ, but just sometimes failing to get over the hump. Well, yesterday was like, you know what? No, 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 no. We, we need to come, you know, for 10 rounds, we're going to swing and give it everything we got. And we're going to see what they're all about. And it was one of these things where I think if you watch that game again, you're going to see that, that we were relatively physical. We were coming out, not, you know, obviously you respect everyone, but you fear nobody. And this was one of these things where a lot of things happen right. But I think as a program, we're getting there. And, uh, and sometimes it's hidden behind. You know, we've had some real tough losses at uh, Boston College, Virginia Tech home, Virginia Tech on the road. Um, another Wake Forest beat the living tar out of us. And so sometimes you find out who you're made of, JJ, when all of a sudden you got to get back that next day when you're tired, you don't want to do this. And you, you know, you're fighting everybody under the sun and uh, there's something inside of you like, no, 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 no. We've got to find the next solution. And that next solution is the next day in practice. And our guys have been pretty good about coming back the next day, forgetting the past and trying to move forward. And really JJ, it's the same message we have to have to, you know, on Saturday when we played Georgia Tech because Carolina's in the rear view. And part of being good in this league is you got to bring that A-level the next night, and it's every night, or you're going to get your head beaten in. And, uh, and we've experienced both of those. All right, Coach. ACC, I'm seeing in bracketology five NCAA tournament teams, which you are not used to in the yeah. ACC. Normally, the ACC, we're talking about seven, we're talking about eight, we're talking about half the league, for goodness sakes. But what I've noticed about the ACC this year is that Normally, it's very much a have, have not type of league where yeah. maybe the top eight or the top nine are just that much better than everybody else. Yeah. This year, coach, maybe not as good at the top, but there's, there's no easy game, basically. I mean, think about it. Boston College, you, you might make the argument or Georgia Tech's the worst team in the league. Boston College took Notre Dame to overtime, for goodness sakes. Is this yeah. the most evenly balanced ACC you've ever been a part of? Without question, JJ, and as you just mentioned, BC beat Notre Dame in their first round, right? And so even us, you know, all of a sudden, and I'm sure Carolina was probably like, all right, this is Pitt, we're going to smash them. It's not happening. There's such parity throughout our league. And, you know, one of the things we sell, JJ, and, and, you know, in our league, every team has a potential pro. 
just some have more pros that are potential, right? And those are teams that, that are usually stacked on top. And I talked to a buddy of mine with the Chicago Bulls today, and he said the same thing about the league. He's never seen it where it's been this so much parity. And as you mentioned, there's usually four or five of those guys at the top that probably have close to three pros that they're just, you know, smashing their way through things. And I don't think that's the case. And I do think what's happened is, you know, our league has lost a lot of guys to the NBA, right? And we're just trying to recalibrate and through this whole COVID stuff, you know, you're trying to think, you're, you're trying to find yourself. And uh, I do agree with you. That's kind of been this league. But again, it comes back to it. There's not a team anybody can't beat. And there's not a team that anybody, you know, can't lose to. Well, and I think for the tournament that's going to be in Brooklyn, in my backyard the next couple of weeks, I'm looking forward to seeing you. I'm I love it. I'm looking forward to seeing my orange. And I'm hoping for a miracle that they can go on a run. Yeah. Does that lead you to believe, Coach, that in Brooklyn two weeks from now, a team that's in that middle of the pack, a team that might be way on the outside looking in with the NCAAs, can maybe go get hot, get hot at the right time, and maybe parlay that into winning the whole damn thing and getting into the dance. No, 100%, JJ. And it's almost like we were just talking the other day about that UConn team that went, I think they were the double buys. Or not buys, they had to play. You know, they Kemba started won. on, I think, Tuesday. They went Tuesday yeah. to Saturday, won the whole thing with Kemba. That's right. And what were the the probability of that happening at that time in that league with all those other top teams? Now, again, you had Kemba, who was, you know, obviously a pro of high fashion. They ended up winning the national championship. But I do think going back to Brooklyn, you're going to see a whole bunch of these teams coming in there. And it's really going to be based on matchups and, uh, and anything can happen this year, which is a lot different, in my opinion, than when we first got to this league and Zion and crew and, and uh, Cam and, and RJ were there. You know, they were they were. They were head over heels, then Virginia, Florida State, Carolina. It, it's a little different right now, and I do think it's going to be kind of wide open. Take me through Duke. This is Coach K's last year. He's got a top five lottery pick. We know that. But what has been your sense looking at this Duke team this year? Because they are the class of the ACC. They're going to be the team to beat when we go to Brooklyn in a couple of weeks. What makes them so good and dangerous? Because, listen, right now, I think they're really good defensively. They yeah. don't have the same firepower that other Duke teams maybe have had on offense. But yeah. talk me through what you've seen with Duke so far this season. Well, I think right when we, you know, you get out of the gates, you got to talk about Pablo, right? I mean, here's a guy that's just, when I saw him in high school, JJ, going back to your Syracuse passion. In high school, I remember sitting there with Mike Hopkins at some tournament, it was probably in Augusta. And he reminded me of Carmelo. Wow. When you okay. have a big, strong guy that can score a perimeter, can finish kind of at ease around the basket. Like, all right, what's, what's his real weakness? Um, and so he has a unique gift because of his size, strength, mobility. You can play him anywhere. He is kind of positionless. So he's different. I'm a traditionalist. and I like the old school, JJ. When you've got Mark Williams back there, like, that's a different thing. Now, a lot of times, you know, school, uh, teams now put you in ball screens, and so the big has a hard time playing. But someone's got to deal with him, and that is a really active, long, rim-protecting guy that can kind of give you different things. I do think Wendell Moore's play has really helped stabilize that team. And a kid from my high school has really done a super job, and you probably saw it against the Qs at, uh, at Cameron that day when A.J. Griffin – got off to an unbelievable start. Oh, he couldn't miss. Coach, couldn't miss. And so when you have that, when you have stability in the backcourt, so you're not turning over, you have some offensive firepower coming from deep, and that's what AJ has really provided them with. You got 
rim protection with with Mark, and then you got Pablo. Like you got a lot of pieces to this puzzle, and then you got some depth off the bench. So, you know, they, they just got to make sure, like everybody else, that you don't you know shoot yourself in the foot. You stay healthy because on a night in night out basis, they've got what it takes. Coach, I know this subject is near and dear to your heart as you wear a Pitt Panther shirt and you have ties from your childhood going back to the Los Angeles Rams. I saw the picture. Coach sent me the picture the other day. Had the young blood jersey on. He was all stoked. He was all fired up. Is the campus, like, head over heels so happy and so prideful of Aaron Donald, who is the best defensive player in the league? I think he's one of the best defensive players of all time. Yeah. And he's a pit man through and through. Yep. Has that been something that, like, on campus has kind of had a buzz saying, hey, this one of our dudes, he's going to go down as the best to ever do it? Hey, 100%, JJ. Now, you know, he, he went to Penn Hills, which is about 15 minutes from here. He wasn't highly recruited by any stretch of the Im- imagination. But a great guy, not a good guy, a great guy comes to games. You know, like somebody said, do you think he'll come for our new game in two weeks, which it would not surprise me. Um, you know, one of the things that's really happened in addition to AD, you know, and easily could have been the, the MVP of the Super Bowl. Right. But it was like almost, you know, in talking with Coach Narduzzi, if you think about Pitts had a little resurgence here in their athletics. Um, the football team had a great year, a guy that was up for the Heisman Trophy. Our volleyball team goes to the Final Four. Our soccer goes to the Final Four. And we're trying to catch that wave where there, there is a lot of pride on campus for Pitt. But then when you throw in the Super Bowl, because, again, everybody watches it, and that was one of our obviously proudest alums and a great guy, tremendously supportive of everything we do, um, there is an extra buzz, an extra sense of pride. I mean, again, you know, when we left the Big East to go to the ACC, I mean, the athletics is kind of it, it's kind of hit some hard times here and there. I mean, Heather's done an un- Heather likes done an unbelievable job. Narduz, we're all kind of trying to catch that wake and, and kind of keep riding with it. But no question about it, AD winning the Super Bowl, as you mentioned, I've been a Ram fan for a long time, and uh, and to do it, what a Hollywood script to do it in LA, and um, and how they did it. And one of the guys we were just showing on the bus last night when we were coming back was, I, I forget his name, the guy that came out five, was it five weeks ago and tore his pectoral and er- still Eric played. Weddle. Eric Weddle. I mean, in, in our sport, going back to that man in the arena and kind of where your teams are at, especially this time of year, JJ, you know it. We're in February and it is, you're not on fumes, but the, the tank is relatively empty. Now it's a question of what do you got in the tank? And that's really your heart, right? And so this is what you're stressing to all your teams right now. The latter part of February going into March, into conference play, hopes the NCAA tournament. How much fire do you still have in your belly? Because that's going to be the difference. And when you see those Rams and think about what they did at the end, not only the drive, but then AD and company, like the play he made on that third down, when you saw that yellow line on TV and you just saw that grizzly paw reach out and pull that running back back and then him getting to the quarterback, Again, this is at you know the height and time when it's most important. This is when your gladiators show up and bang, there was AD. And I think that's kind of our message too, is as you mentioned, he has helped fuel our campus. We are using all these examples as, hey man, you know, any other motivation you can to keep yourself focused, fired up, and ready to keep fighting and swinging down this, this key stretch. And you find those examples everywhere, but the Super Bowl is obviously one of them. Coach. Even though you're spending your time in college basketball, I know you always have an eye on what's going on in the NBA. You always do. Um, The Harden-Simmons trade, that's blockbuster, dude. That's a blockbuster, blockbuster trade. I like it for both teams. I think Simmons will thrive there. There's no pressure when you're with Durant and Irving and you're in Brooklyn. You're not playing for the Knicks. 
Yeah. And I think Harden and pick and roll with Embiid. Daryl Morey knows him well. They need somebody to shoot the ball. I think this trade works out really nicely for both teams. Was that the sense you got when you heard about the news last Thursday? Well, you know what? I was shocked when I heard the news, first of all. Because, again, think about we talk about Harden a lot because Jeff coached him with USA as with Durant, right? And so you know the level of skill and talent that, you know, a guy that's mastered offense almost, right? And then you see the whole Simmons thing. And, again, Elton Brand was a guy that I recruited when I was at Duke and, you know, his involvement with the Sixers and, you know, and, and obviously Maureen. But it's also like, you know, you saw these teams being put together. And um, But anyway, to see Simmons playing again, you know, as an athlete, you got to get back into the thick of it. So I'm happy for him. I hope it works out for Harden. And I do think it's, uh, it is blockbuster. And um, yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens in Brooklyn because again, it's uh, they needed some injection, but it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of pressure on them, even though they're not the Knicks. Obviously that's a different thing, but it, yeah, I, I'm glad for all the parties involved. Coach, are you ready for some New York eating in a couple of weeks? What is the, so I know you're going to be busy and hopefully you're going to be there for a couple of days. But if there is one meal Coach O'Toole must have in his time in the tri-state area and in the boroughs, what is it, Coach? Well, this is, JJ, I've got a whole bunch of them, but the reality is I don't know how, if we'll hit any of them. My number one spot of all time was my father's, and that is Peter Luger's Steakhouse. Oh, yeah, baby. Tell Tommy we sent you. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's exactly right. Tell I was Tommy just saying, if you're that... in Brooklyn, I'll tell Tommy they may deliver some steaks to you guys at the hotel. <laughs> not as good, not as good as having at the restaurant, but you get my drift. At 100%. The reality, because we're so probably close to the Brooklyn Bridge, because I imagine we'll be at the Marriott, from all these pizza at the base of the of the bridge. Right in my neck of the woods. That's is, my go-to on football weekends, man. It's a go-to. It's a no-brainer. And then the other side of the coin is, and I don't know if we're going to get into Manhattan, but my favorite deli on the planet, not even close, is Cats. And if you have a chance, if you like pastrami, JJ, to me, it's the best pastrami sandwich or corned beef. And uh, those are my one, two, and three if I had, a, if I had the, the crystal ball. But the reality is, because our time is usually short, we'll probably find some pizzeria located around the corner. And, uh, and that's still better than anything else because it's nothing better than a New York slice of pizza. Well, Coach, nothing. listen, we should talk to the guys at Grimaldi's, maybe get a couple of pies your way over to the Marriott. <laughs> it's not that far, not that far. And, and maybe, I don't know, Coach Capel's paying. That's the thing. You're not paying, Coach. We're sending it to his tab, all right? The, the beautiful thing about the dudes from Grimaldi's, they'll be like, hey, like every other son of a gun, you get your tail back down here and you wait outside for 45 minutes if you want some of our good pizza. Get the hell out of here. The great Coach O'Toole, he's killing it at Pittsburgh, really proud. They've been winning the last couple of weeks. Big win at North Carolina. Had a pop you on. Coach, I will see you in Brooklyn in a couple of weeks. And hopefully it's in a, as long as it's not against my orange, I hope it's an extended stay in Brooklyn. I love you, JJ. I love the hat. All the best, my friend. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, 
all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right, folks, voicemail time. How do you get in touch with New York, New York? And you're going to want to do so. Top 10 losses since 2010. Top 10 wins in New York sports since 2010. 917-382-1151. Let's make a little magic. Let's hear it. What's up, JJ? It's Pete in Westchester here, man. Been a minute. I'm glad to see you. LA looked like it was fantastic. So glad you enjoyed it. And still very jealous uh, of your seats at that John Mayer concert, man. That, that was sick. But hey, listen, the last time I think, you know, a voicemail made it to the pod, I, I told you about how, you know, at least we had the Knicks and the Islanders to get us through the cold winter. But that turned out to be a complete mush, man. The wheels have fallen off both of my teams here. You know, the Knicks, you know, bro, it's, there's parallels to be drawn here to the Yankee season, right? I mean, it's just like, which loss is going to be rock bottom, man? Last night, losing to the Nets like that in the garden, dude, absolutely, absolutely mortifying, completely just embarrassing. And you're just like, okay, well, maybe, you know, maybe that, that other loss, you know, I can't remember who it was against, but you just, you, you just, this one has to be rock bottom, right? You can't go lower than, you just can't. But you never know. They said the same thing about the Yankees. But, you know, clearly there was still, you know, a floor to be found. But anyway, man, um, welcome back to the cold in New York. And, uh, you know, it pains me to see that, of course, on top of both my teams sucking, the Rangers of all freaking teams are the best team in New York. All the pain. Later, bro. Pete, I appreciate it. And John Mayer that close was fantastic. Um, I like John Mayer. I don't love John Mayer. Like, my sister loves John Mayer. I'd never seen him before. He puts on a hell of a show. It's amazing. That feels like it was a month ago, for goodness sakes. Feels like a long, long time ago. And you nailed it when it comes to the Knicks. Here's the one difference between them and the Yankees. The Yankees were able to rally at least to 90-something wins and gave you a glimmer of hope going into the playoffs. The Knicks are not going to do that. Now, I understand that sports are very, very different. Like, if you get in the playoffs in baseball, you can fantasize and entertain the possibility of going on a run. The NBA, you can't do that. It, it just doesn't work that way. Sport is not designed that way. So you're not going to have that from a Knicks standpoint. They're not going on a run. They're nine under 500. They have a brutal stretch right out of the All-Star break. Philly twice, with Harden and Embiid. Miami, uh, Phoenix. They're, they're going to be double-digit games under 500 before they can get up and breathe a little bit. They are cooked. They are cooked. And really, the best thing for them is to end up in the lottery. I was not even surprised by Wednesday night. All you need to know, they were up 28 points, I want to say. They were only, Brooklyn, that is, plus 1,200 on the money line. 28 points, usually that's like 2,500, 3,000, something crazy. Because Vegas knew, hey, the Knicks blow leads. Three in LS7, they've had 20-point leads, and they've lost the game. That's hard to do. Who's next? JJ, Justin in Miami. Been a little while. Um, you know, the Knicks, obviously a big disappointment, and I'm not comparing Tom Thibodeau to, to Joe Judge as a coach. Thibodeau is way more accomplished and a way better coach. But I am seeing some parallels between how the first season was viewed by fans of the of the Giants and the Knicks, and now all of a sudden how it's turned on a dime, especially really as the season's gone on. And, you know, I, I think Thibodeau is a good coach, but I, I'm starting to wonder if there's a scenario where this, he, he could really spiral where he's let go. And I don't think for Thibodeau, frankly – Unlike for Judge, I thought maybe it was wins and losses, kind of drove, forced him out. 
I just wonder if Thibodeau doesn't play the young players, if there becomes a disconnect with the front office and if they continue to lose games where it just doesn't fit anymore. And, and that's kind of where I could see this going. I mean, if it's Toppin and, and quickly and grunt, none of these guys get the time and they're losing 48, 49 games. You know, in some ways it reflects poorly on the front office because I'm sure they're going to want to justify that, hey, they picked the right young players. And if Thibodeau's not willing to do it, I just wonder if, if we're kind of headed for a similar conclusion. And you know, nobody thought Judge would get fired at the end of year two when the year started. And, and I, I, I'm not saying it's impossible, but I could kind of see a situation happening here where if they, we lose 48, 49 games and the young players don't play or don't play enough, I could see them changing coaches. I wonder if you could see that too. All right, talk to you later. I absolutely can see it because it's the Knicks. And nothing surprises me with the Knicks. That's number one. Number two, I don't love the parallel. I see where you're going with the parallel, but I don't love the parallel because the Knicks had probably their best year in over a decade. Not probably. They did. 2012, 2013, and then, all right, eight, nine years, close enough. Close enough. And Thibodeau's a coach of the year candidate. The Giants, all right, they weren't nearly as big a dumpster fire in 2020 as they were in 2021. It was a little bar. Team played hard. It's a little different. It's a little different. Like, Tibbs last year accomplished a heck of a lot more than Joe Judge ever did coaching the New York Giants. From a fan's perspective, yeah, I think there's a good amount of fans that have turned on Tom Thibodeau. They also should be turning on his front office. Yes, Tibbs got to play the younger guys. I think we're all in agreement on that. Like, I don't need to see Evan Fournier and Kemba Walker logging major minutes for this team. Where they're at in a year. They should not be. He's got to play younger players. But, like, to think that Tom Thibodeau is the biggest reason why the Knicks are in a position that they're in, I just don't think you're paying attention if you think that's the case. Or your opinion of the Knicks roster is just a heck of a lot different than mine. All right, last but not least, then we're going to hit Jeff Money. Let's hear it. Oh, hi, JJ. Uh, this is Yu Yang from Vancouver, BC. Love your show as always. I just got a really quick question today. Um, did you get a chance to watch the full two-hour version of the uh, first take with uh, Chris Russo? Um, I, I was really excited to find out that they're going to make him like uh, essentially, uh, essentially like a permanent Wednesday co-host. And I got to say that first uh, four episodes they did, I know they did another one in January on uh, Kobe a day or whatever, but this first official full version, it's so good, man. I, don't, I just want to hear your take on it. I hope uh, I hope they you know they keep it on Wednesdays and you know what I also hope they you know have Russo on maybe even as a permanent co-host. What are your thoughts? Anyways, I love your show and um, have a great day. Bye bye. I'm glad that you brought this up and I appreciate the kind words. Yes, I loved it. Now I didn't watch the full show because I was out in California at the time, so I was kind of bouncing in and out, in and out, in and out. But I did um, see the video clips, the the Dak, her cousins, the Yankee Cowboy. Thought it was electric. Listen, I think dog is electric. I, I, he and Mike are the best to ever do the sports debate, sports radio type of format. And I'm lucky that my influences happen to be in many ways, Mike and Chris. Dog from growing up and listening to him as a kid. And then Mike having obviously worked at the same radio station, but having this sort of, you know, relationship with Don Corleone of sports radio. Yeah, I think it's awesome. Listen, dog on TV is really funny. He and Stephen A are just off the rails. I would, if I ran ESPN, I would make that the permanent first take show. I would. 
And we got to work on getting both of those guys back on. So funny story. Friday at, what is it? Media Row. Um, I'm on the shuttle. And normally I hate taking the shuttle, but we had a late night Thursday at the CAA after party. I, that was the one night I definitely was feeling it after one too many cocktails. I was like, oh boy. I ain't walking 16 minutes today. I'm too pressed for time. I'm getting ready. The whole kit and caboodle. So I'm on the media shuttle. I'm listening to whatever on my uh, my AirPods, probably some music. And who walks in, ranting and raving, doggy with, Ari, with Eddie Erickson, his old producer, who I happen to know from my time at FAN when I was an intern. So, you know, they, they, they're talking about some overbet that they want. I'm cracking up. I didn't want to jam my way in the conversation. You know, like when you're in those spots, you got to let it marinate a little bit and then you jump in. And then, of course, basically Doggy and I doing a five-minute show on the media shuttle, talking baseball. He liked the Bengals on the money line, which only increased my confidence, might I add, on the L.A. Rams because everybody seemed to like the Bengals at Radio Row and at Super Bowl week. And he's the best. I mean, listen, he's the absolute best. He goes, that Jashemsky, he's got a little bit of spunk. I like that. Love Doggy. So, yeah, Doggy and Stephen A., sign me up. All you need to know, would I watch that show otherwise? No. Am I more willing to watch with Doggy there with Stephen A? 1,000%. 1,000%. All right, before we say goodbye, Jeff Money, Friday card, the floor is yours. What do we got? What up, JJ? Jeff Money here with a handicapper picks. It's going to be for tomorrow, Friday the 18th. I got one play in college basketball. I'm going to go with Mississippi State minus the 10.5 over Missouri. Again, it's going to be Mississippi State minus the 10.5. And, and as always, everyone can follow my daily plays on Twitter, at Jeff Money. Okay, JJ, I'm out of here. Let's go. Jeff Money setting the stage, and I love Saturday college basketball. Tomorrow, I'm going to be on Ringer Gambling. There might be a surprise for the NBA, an all-star weekend, but I am going to be going through the college card with my main man, Matt Eholt of Sports Illustrated. Like, every game, we'll be guessing some of the lines because some of them aren't going to be out yet, so we'll be going by, like, Kempom and whatnot. And we're going to be doing that now every Friday. Every Friday, getting you ready for college basketball Saturdays, which are great now this time of the year because you got action from high noon until midnight. So if you like to gamble and you like two-hour intervals, bing, 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 you got a ton of games. So I'm stoked for that. Remember, Sunday, Thursday, new New York sketch. Tuesday, Friday, gambling sketch until baseball season starts. How long will that be? Who the hell knows? Who the hell knows? But I can tell you this. It'll be taking us through the end of the Final Four in the National Championship. And we have a ton of stuff planned for that week as far as, like, daily content. That will be coming your way in the days and the weeks ahead. But remember, top 10 New York sports losses starting Sunday from 2010 on. Don't tell me the Dodgers beating the Mets. Don't tell me the Diamondbacks beating the Yankees. Don't tell me Bulls over the Knicks. I don't want to hear that. 2010 on. Start thinking. Start thinking. On that note, it's the fine, outstanding job. JJ out. Enjoy your weekend. Gambling, folks. Chat Friday. Turn around. Be good, everybody. 